You guys grab a seat. So on this day, eight years ago, I was about to enter into the craziest season of my life. And the reason this was going to be such a crazy season was for three big reasons. First, I was graduating college. So after all the hours I spent stressing over classes, after all the times I walked out of a test feeling defeated because I studied the wrong material, and after all the days I struggled to find a parking spot, I was finally going to be done. And so I was so happy that I was going to get to the point where I could finally just have this huge sigh of relief because I was going to be finished with college. But I wasn't just about to graduate, I was also getting married. At this point, I was under three months away from saying I do to the most beautiful girl I'd ever met in my life. And after a year of dating her and after a year of being engaged, I could not wait for my best friend to become my bride. And the third big thing that was happening in my life is I was going to seminary. And this last one was a long time coming. Because before I ever met my wife and before I ever got to college, I felt like God put this deep desire in my life to be in the ministry full time. In fact, it all started back when I was in middle school when um, me and my brother were asked to go and speak at another middle school's FCA. And the person who decided that this was a good idea should have been fired. Because when, if, imagine showing up on a Friday morning, right, wanting to learn more about Jesus, and these were the guys that were selected to tell you that. <laughs> right? I mean, I, one of them can't even keep his eyes open for a photo. <laughs> and so, so for some reason, they chose us, and, and we showed up in this school auditorium that was packed out, because obviously they didn't know we were coming. And we decided to do this really weird, like, WWE tag team thing, right? Where, like, one of us would get on stage and would talk for a few minutes and then we'd get done. And we'd have this really awkward transition where we walked off, met halfway, did a handshake, and then the other one would come up on stage. Which I'm sure was really awkward because we looked exactly the same. So it really just probably looked like a really bad, like, magic trick. And so, but that's what we, that's what we did. And, and I, I don't remember everything that we said that day, but I do remember that my brother thought it would be a really good idea instead of looking at a passage to break down the verses of a cheesy 90s Christian song called Jesus Freak, right? Um, yeah, if you wanna have a good laugh, listen to that later. But unfortunately, I wasn't much better because um, what I did is I just encouraged everybody in the room to be more like a demon-possessed man, right? Like before he was like, you know, exercise or whatever. So definitely was a theological train wreck, right? Looking back on it, very embarrassed about what happened that day. But even in the midst of all the craziness that was happening, God used that moment to create this deep desire inside of me. I mean, as horrible as that day was in so many ways, God used it to create this deep desire for me to tell other people about him. And so it was soon after that that God began to place in my life this desire to step into kind of a full-time role, either as a pastor or somebody similar when I got older. And so what I felt like is that that was God's plan for my life. 
I thought God's plan for my life was to be in the ministry. And so at this point in college, for half a decade, I had been pursuing that. And now I was about to graduate, and then I was going to move and go to seminary so I could further my education, and I could grow more and be more equipped to be whatever God was calling me to be. And so on this day, eight years ago, as I was in a position that some of you are in tonight, even though I didn't know what God had in store for me, right, even though I wasn't sure exactly what was going to happen in my future, right, because it was unpredictable, I did know something about myself. And I knew who I wanted to be. Right? I knew that soon I wanted to be a college graduate who had finally gotten his degree after all the hard work. I knew after that I wanted to be a husband who had a beautiful bride to wake up to every single morning. And I knew in the future I eventually wanted to be a pastor or something similar to that so that I could tell people about a God that I loved so much. So I knew who I wanted to be and as you guys are sitting here today, my guess is you know who you want to be too. You know who you want to be in the future, especially when you're in college, because this is a time in your life where you're always thinking about the future. And when you think about the future, you know who you want to be down the road. Right? We all know who we want to be down the road. Right? You know that one day you want to be a college graduate who is finally getting a diploma for all the hard work that you've done. You know that one day down the road, you want to be a husband or you want to be a wife. And you know one day down the road, you want to be a teacher or a nurse or whatever your dream job is, right? And we all know who we want to be down the road. And that's often what we think about when we think about God's plan for our life. We think about God's plan for our life. We think about what we want to be and we hope and our goal is as we move down the road, as we get to that destination, that who we want to be is who God wants us to be. Because we all know who we want to be down the road and we're all doing things in our life right now. Thinking about that. Hoping that one day we're going to get there. But unfortunately, as we make our way towards this destination, the road that we travel isn't always as smooth as we like for it to be. Because after I graduated college and I eventually got married, me and my wife moved up to Louisville, Kentucky for me to go to seminary. And a couple of years into our journey there, I got a job working full-time as a manager in an apartment complex. And let me tell you, this was the most ridiculous job that I have ever had in my life. And the reason that this job was so ridiculous, or at least one of the reasons, was because of the residents that lived there, right? And let me, let me just give you an example, okay? So there was one day that we had this couple, this husband and wife, a little bit older couple, who chose, chose to move into this apartment complex that we were living in, right? And so it happened to be that on the same day that they moved in was the same day that we were doing lawn, yard work and lawn care on the property, now, let's point out, these two facts should be totally separated from one another, right? These should just be two independent facts, but instead, in this story, you can see these two things eventually come together. 
Because that afternoon, I was working in the office, and, and the resident or the other manager was there with me, and this couple decides to come in, which is unusual. Usually people would turn in like their checkout or chicken sheet, um, and we would kind of just make sure everything was okay. But when they came in, uh, the wife did something that was kind of unusual. She kind of like peeked her head around the corner and was like, hey, Jesse, can, can I speak to you in the other room for a second? Which obviously isn't a good sign, right? My story a couple weeks ago about being asked to go outside, never a good sign when somebody does that, right? Just letting you know, experience has taught me that well. And so I know this isn't a good idea, and so I kind of started a little bit nervous because I know this is about to be an intense conversation, and I absolutely hate with a passion confrontation. And so uh, I kind of start to, to walk out there, and the whole time I'm doing that, right, my heart is racing, and I'm just constantly trying to think, okay, what could we have done that is gonna cause me to get chewed out right now? So maybe we, we didn't clean the apartment because unfortunately we had done that before where we give an apartment to somebody and it's not clean. Um, or, or maybe we didn't patch a hole or something big in the wall because unfortunately we had done that too. And so I'm just trying to think about all the stuff that I could have done. And so I eventually walk into this room as I'm following her. My heart is just pounding. And I get there and, and I sit down and, and they decide to tell me why they want to have this conversation with me. And so the wife, she decides to speak up for the couple, and so uh, she says something like, Jesse, something has happened that is absolutely inexcusable. Because when the people were outside cutting the grass today, some of the grass clippings made their way out of a lawnmower and decided to land on our car. And I don't know what kind of operation you guys are running here, but where I come from, that is completely unacceptable. And so you guys can either address this problem or we're gonna take our housing and take our business elsewhere. It was amazing how quick in that moment, my anxiety all of a sudden became complete apathy. And I looked at this woman straight in the face and I said, there's the door, deuces, right now. <laughs> Thank you. Man, I wish I had the audacity, stuff like that. Uh, man, I'd be such a better person. But um, I really don't remember what I said. Uh, but either way, it was something where once she made that comment, I was like, okay, I clearly cannot take you seriously right now. Right? I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous that we're even having this conversation. Right? I mean, I had no patience for residents like that and these unrealistic expectations. But see, it wasn't just the residents that made this job ridiculous. I think I could have handled that right. I just would have had good stories to tell. But what made this job really difficult was the coworkers I worked with and the company I worked for. Because see, the coworkers I worked with, we had two or three of us, and we all just had such different personalities. And so what that meant is that we were just finding ourselves always or rather constantly getting in these disagreements and these arguments over ridiculous stuff. And so what that caused was this work environment that was just full of this unwanted tension and that was just full of this unavoided frustration. I mean, so many times I was just in these situations, I was like, do you have to be kidding me? Why is this happening? And so I would just, I would just dread these interactions with these people. And then the company I worked for was family run. And so what that meant is that there was a lot of different people who felt like they were the boss. 
And so we would get put in these unwinnable circumstances, these unwinnable situations. What I mean by that is that one person would say, hey, I want you guys to do this, right? And so then we would do it, and then somebody else would come and say, no, 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 why did y'all do that? That was ridiculous. Y'all should have done this. And that was completely discouraging to me. Because even though I was just trying to do my best, right, even though I was just trying to help this company out, whenever I made the decision, it felt like somebody was just going to come behind me and tell me that I did it wrong because I didn't listen to them. And so as I was doing this job, I was just feeling like a constant failure because there was somebody who wasn't going to be happy with what I did. And so eventually as time went on, the ridiculousness of everything that was happening from the residents to the coworkers to the company that I worked for took a huge toll on me. And I got to the point that I absolutely hated my job and got to the point that it caused me in a lot of ways to hate what was going on in my life too. But what made this situation that was difficult absolutely unbearable is I felt like I was trapped, like I was stuck in this situation because this company was nice enough to allow us to live there for free so we didn't have to worry about rent. And at this point, I was about a year away from graduating. And so I knew if I left and I moved, we'd have to find a new place to live. We'd have to find a new job. And all these things that would happen that would have made our lives so much, so hard, so difficult. And so I found myself sitting in this situation, hating my job, because I was doing something I didn't want to do at a place where I didn't want to be. And what made this so frustrating is that this was just a job to get me to where I wanted to go. Right? I wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to be in the ministry. And so all this was was something that I was doing so that I could get to God's plan in my life. All this was was something that I was doing so that I could be the person that God had asked me to be back in middle school. And so I was sitting in this situation, feeling trapped and feeling stuck because I felt like I was trying to get to the place that God wanted me to be so that I could finally start God's plan for my life. And so because of that, I had no idea what to do. Because even though I knew who I wanted to be down the road, I had no idea what to do that next morning when I woke up. And I completely hated what was going on in my life. I didn't know what I should do day in and day out when I was doing something that I hated because I was on the journey to do something that one day I was going to love. And if I had to guess, you understand what I was going through because you've been there too. Now, hopefully you didn't hate your situation as much as I did. But when you're in school like I was, what that means is that you're not at your future destination yet. You're not at the place where you want to be yet. Which means your situation is less than ideal as you make your way to the path of where you want to be as you try to pursue God's plan for your life. And so this is what the problem is when we sit our, find ourselves in these situations. 
is even though we all know who we want to be down the road, the problem is we don't know who we should be tomorrow. We don't know who we should be tomorrow as we pursue our dream job. We don't know who we should be tomorrow as we wait to be a husband and a wife. We don't know who we should be tomorrow when we're stuck in school doing something that we can't stand, frustrated because we know who we want to be, but we have no idea what that means for us when we wake up tomorrow. And that's what makes these situations so hard, right? Because we want to get to the point in our life in the future where we're doing what we love. And for me, I just wanted to get to the point in my life where I was doing great things for God's kingdom, right? Where I was taking these leaps of faith, where I was teaching and, and showing people what it meant to follow Jesus. I was just waiting for that time in my life where I could do something, where my life had a purpose, where my life had meaning. And for a lot of you in your room, you just want to be there too. You want to be that nurse or that teacher or whatever else that is in your life that you want to do so that your life has purpose. And when you're there, you want to be doing great things for God's kingdom. You want to be taking leaps of faith as you help people know God and love God and to see God in your life. And all of us want to have a life where we have waves that go beyond this life into eternity. But some of you feel completely stuck right now. You feel trapped and you're getting discouraged and you're getting impatient and you're becoming frustrated because you know who you want to be down the road, but you don't know who you should be tomorrow. See, here's the thing. Here's why we do this in our life. See, when it comes to God's plan for our life, we always see it as something down the road, don't we? Right? When we think about God's plan and what God wants to do in our life, we always think about it in the future sense. Right? We always think about something going on in our life down the road. And so we see it as a place of where God wants to take us. But the problem with that is when we see it as a place in the future, that means we don't think about what's happening in our life right now. When we see it as down the road, then we don't think about what God's plan is for our life in the moment. And what we do is we forget that God has a plan for us tomorrow just as much as he has a plan for us down the road. You see, what that means is that God's plan is happening in your life right now. Right? It doesn't start after you graduate. It doesn't start when you get married. It doesn't start when you get a dream job. Instead, God's plan for your life is happening in the moment right now. And what we have to do is we have to learn to see that. So then we can understand what is God's plan for me right here, right now in college. And that's what I want us to talk about tonight. And so if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Galatians chapter 5. For the rest of the time we have together, we'll be spending it in Galatians chapter 5. And so what I want us to do, I want us to look at this passage, right? It's only about four or five verses that we're going to be looking at. And then I want us to connect this back to God's plan for your life. And see what it means for you right now. What it means for you as you sit here in this room and you're making your way towards the end of the semester. And how you can take this with you. And so we'll start talking about this tonight and then we'll wrap up what it means for us later next week. So let's read Galatians chapter five, beginning in verse 16 together, right? Paul is writing. 
He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So what Paul is saying here is actually really practical. Because what Paul is saying is, hey, if you want to keep from falling into your desires, right? If you want to keep from getting tangled up into sin and to giving into temptations, this is what you're supposed to do. Right? You're supposed to walk by the Spirit. You're supposed to allow the Holy Spirit in your life to guide you in the different decisions that you make. Right? You're supposed to live a certain way and step with the Holy Spirit. And so then after Paul spends just a little bit of time talking about what it means to, to give into the desires of the flesh, he then tells us what this looks like, right? What it means practically in our lives to walk by the Spirit. And that's what we see in verse 22. Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against, against such things, there is no law. So if you grew up in church, you know that these are called the fruit of the Spirit. And oftentimes, I feel like when we hear this, right, or maybe we sung about it as a kid, we often think, okay, so this is what, like, the, the really mature Christians do, right? This is the really spiritual believers. This is what they do and how they live out their lives day in and day out. But see, I think we oftentimes over-spiritualize this. Because really, if you look at these different words that are here, right, these different qualities or characteristics or even emotions, Right, what we really see here are really just things in our life that, if we're honest, all of us wish that we could just live out better. Right? These are just, just qualities in our life that if we really had to pick on a good day, we'd want to do these better in our lives. Right? So let's, let's talk about what I mean by that. Because Paul lays out nine of these, right? nine different qualities he lays out here. And really, you can roughly break these up into three categories. And so the first three we can put in the category of self, right? And these are just inner emotions that we really wish that we could experience on a day-to-day -day basis in our lives, right? right? We all wish that we could love God and love others in a way that it impacts every single thing that we do. Right? We wish that we could have joy even in the stressful situations that come our way. And we all want peace, Peace in the midst of our lives when everything just seems absolutely chaotic. And so the first three, they, they fall in the category of self, these emotions that we wish we could have every day. And the second category we could put into is social. Right? And so these are the emotions that ideally we would like to express to other people in our lives and the relationships that we come across on a daily basis. Right? We all wish we could be more patient with that person in our group project who just seems to be working on their own timeline, right? We all want to be kind to that person one day who has really deeply hurt us. We all hope that eventually down the road we can show goodness to somebody even though they've really treated us badly, right? These are just the emotions that we want to show in our relationships, and then the last three we can put in the category of standard. These are just standard or generic emotions that, or excuse me, characteristics or qualities rather, that we would really just hope that when other people look at us, they say, yeah, that person's got it. Right? We want people to look at us and say, yeah, that person's faithful. Right? They always say what they're, they always do what they say they're going to do. Or they say that that person is gentle. They're not harsh with others. Or that person shows, shows self-control even when everybody else 
is freaking out and don't, doesn't know what to do in a situation. All right, so these are just nine qualities, nine characteristics that we ideally wish that we could know and live out on a daily basis in our lives. So this is where the question comes in, what in the world does this have to do with God's plan for my life? And to answer, the answer to that question is absolutely everything. Because as we've talked about, right, when we think about God's plan for life, we always think about the future, right? We think about the place where God wants to take us. What we don't think about is what God wants to do in our lives right now. What God wants to do in our lives in the very moment. And what Paul is telling us here is exactly what that is. What Paul is saying here is that we need to walk by the Spirit by living out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Right, what Paul is telling us right now is that we need to make the decision to live like this every single day. Right, we need to choose to love people even when it's hard for us to do. Right, we need to choose to be patient with somebody even when it seems like it's impossible. And that we need to choose to show self-control even when we want to give in. That's how we're called to live our lives day in and day out. And this is what Paul shows us here. Paul shows us here that God's plan for your life is more of a decision than a destination. Right, God's plan for your life is more of a decision than it is a destination. What I mean by that is God's plan for your life right now is to make the decision to live out these qualities in your life. To make the decision to walk by the Spirit to allow him to guide you so that you don't give in to the desires of the flesh. And so right now, your goal is to look like what Paul is saying here, to live out these qualities in your life, to make the decision daily to walk by the Spirit and not just to focus on a future destination, but to live right here, right now in the moment. And as Paul continues to write this, he tells us why this decision is so important. Why is it so important that we live out these different qualities in our life every single day? And this is what he says in verse 24. He says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Paul's saying, if you belong to Jesus, then you can live out these qualities better in your life. You can live these out because these desires that push against this, and they've been crucified at the cross. And because they've been crucified at the cross, if you belong to Jesus, you can now live your life in a way that looks like the one that you belong to. You can now live your life in the way where you are walking by the Spirit so that you don't give in to the temptations and the desires of the flesh. And so what this means for us is that we need to live our lives in a way that people can see who we belong to and that we live our lives in a way that reflects Jesus who perfectly lived out all of these qualities in his life. And so we need to choose to be like the one 
who loved us, even when it was hard, even though it cost him his life. We need to choose to be like the one who has showed us patience, even though it seems like it's impossible for us to get things right. And we need to choose to be like the one who showed self-control and always lived in a way that reflects what Paul is saying here. And so what this means, if we could really just condense what God's plan for your life is right now, this is what it is. God's plan for your life is to look more like Jesus. God's plan for your life now in college, when you graduate college, when you get married, when you get your dream job, whatever it is, God's plan for your life is always to look more like Jesus. Because God's plan for your life is more of a decision than a destination. And he wants you to make the decision daily to take steps to look more like Jesus. Because so often, right, we think about the leap, right? We think about the leaps of faith that we're gonna take later on in our lives, right? We think about when we finally have that dream job and we finally get to where we want to be, then we can do awesome things for God's kingdom. Then we can do things and have impacts that go beyond this world into eternity, And so when we think about God's plan in the future sense, we can think about the leaps that we want to do down the road when we do great things for God's kingdom. But right now, we're called to think about the steps, the things that are happening in your life right now, the decisions that you can make every single day, including tomorrow, that's gonna make you look more like Jesus. And so what we have to remember is that when we pursue God's plan for our life, that steps come before leaps. That steps come before leaps. And so here's my challenge to you tonight as we wrap up. My challenge for you is to take the steps in your life to look more like Jesus. Don't get so caught up in who you want to be one day. Don't get so caught up in who you want to be down the road that you forget who you should be tomorrow. Because who you should be tomorrow is somebody who looks more like Jesus. Who you should be tomorrow is somebody who makes the decision to be faithful and keeps a promise even though they don't want to. To make the decision to show somebody kindness even when they don't deserve it. And to make the decision to show self-control in our lives even when we just want to give in. That's what God's plan for your life is. And when we hear that, it's a little bit unpredictable, isn't it? Because so often we think about God's plan for our life as we've talked about all night as being in the future, down the road. And we don't often think about the fact that it's happening right now. So let's make the decision to take a step to look more like Jesus. And my challenge for you is to do that tonight. To pursue God's plan for your life right now by making the step and making the decision to look more like Jesus in your life. So let's pray and then let's do that together. Father God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you, Father, that scripture lays out exactly how you call us to live every single day. And you call us to love you, God, and to love others. 
You call us to show kindness to others. You show us, God, to be faithful even when we're tempted not to be, to be gentle with others who are harsh with us. And every single time, God, we are making steps to do these things, to walk in the Spirit, Lord. We are choosing to be more like Jesus. So, Father, I praise you and thank you that right here in our lives we have the ability to do this. We have the abilities to see that your plan for our life right now and forever is to look like Jesus. So what that means for us, God, is that whenever we are taking steps in our life to look more like Jesus, then that means we are living out God's will and God's plan for our lives. Lord, we get so caught up on the destination. We get so caught up on one day doing this or someday doing that that we forget that right here, right now, we have a God who loved us enough to die for us, who is calling us to take steps in our life to reflect him and to know him and to love him and to worship him as a God who did everything possible so that we could live for him. So God, hear us as we sing to you, as we sing and ask that you would make us more like Jesus. My prayer and my plea, God, is that you would do that right here, right now, tonight. And in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.